Right now, is here is the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. <laughs> hey, Joel. <laughs> all the buttons are, seem to be you in a different place. You got the buttons place. all straight today. Yeah, they're, good, well, good. they're all here. They just seem to be in a different place. But maybe that's just my my, my neural wiring in a different place. I have problem in the morning sometimes. Yeah. But you, you don't, you know. Well, the mornings go about 18 hours for me. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, Lordy. Well, um, you know, when I left here last week, I, I uh, we were headed up. I was headed up to the hotel, and I wanted to make ramen, you know. And, and as I said, I usually get a big bag of, of greens, you know, Pete's Greens or whatever. And there's a, a little store where Pete's Greens used to be on Route 100 mm-hmm. headed up towards Stowe. And uh, I'd noticed that they changed the name. It is now uh, uh, Woodstock Farmer's Market. Oh. And I thought, well, I'll stop and see if they have some greens. And uh, my Lord, it's a beautiful little grocery store. Mm. Not just greens, but they got a deli there. And uh, I got an apple pie that was unbelievable. Wait a second. What's the name of this place? <laughs> <laughs> suddenly, suddenly talking my language. <laughs> and they even have strawberry rhubarb sometimes. Oh, yum. So, yeah. Yeah, so, uh. <laughs> the name again? It, that is the Woodstock Farmers Woodstock, Market. Okay. Yeah. And it's on the right hand side as you go, uh, you know, it's maybe what, a mile or two? It's after Guptal Hill Road and all gotcha. that. But, uh, yeah, and, uh, big, you know, little red building on the, on the right hand side, right where, you know, the Pete's Greens used yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Pete's Greens had a nice store there, but it was mostly just the produce from their farm. But this has got everything. It's got the ice cream and the whipped cream to go with that pie. <laughs> can, we, can we run a, a, an archive program and just take a drive up there? I suppose we could. <laughs> it is tempting. Uh, so, but this morning I'm driving here, and I, uh, you know, we moved into Plainfield now. So now we're not in Stowe anymore. We're up in Plainfield, and there's the Plainfield Hardware Store, which is one of our, um, you know. Uh, uh, Advertisers here yeah. on the on the on the and they have absolutely everything. And to top oh it off, gosh. on Mondays they give you a free cup of coffee. Oh I can't gosh. believe it. I, I walked in there. I'm, I was no expectation at all because it's the first time I've been inside. And uh, they've expanded the grocery store mm. and. Uh, and, you know, so we keep on the garden subject a little bit. I walked out into their garden place, and they still had sets out there. But they had uh, probably about 20 or 30 buckets with uh, uh, tomato plants in them. Mm. And they were like this. Wow. There were already uh, tomatoes on them, and they were selling those. Mm. And uh, there was a, it was a heck of a bargain. I <laughs> just put them on the back deck or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I was under the impression you probably wouldn't even need to to move them out of the buckets, but who knows? You know, um, I'd, I'd be a little wary of transplanting them at that size. But anyway. But I'll, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story. The. Uh, uh, this was a number of years ago, but I finally got the guy to share his uh, information with regard to tomato plants. There was one fellow who planted in the intervale mm-hmm. in, in in the you know uh, between Burlington and and Colchester. Yeah, yeah. great place. And um, he always had red tomatoes before anybody else did. Mm. And what he did um, for the, for those that he brought first to the farmers market, the first red ones, he said well, as soon as as soon as he saw little green tomatoes, he would transplant them just from one row to another row. 
just exchange them, just just shock them enough by taking them out of the ground that they were in and move them someplace else, even if it's only oh, 10 feet away. Oh, and that so, shocks them a little bit, and they turn red faster. So I could uh, I could probably have success with transplanting those mm-hmm. those big bucket. Uh, yeah, they, they probably would turn a little uh, green uh, greener than the ones that you had from <laughs> small, uh, turn red, you know, faster quicker. than the ones that yeah, yeah. you had from, uh, you know, from, from smaller sets earlier on. Well, I, I'm trying to think if they're going to fit in the back of the car. I may have to get my son in his truck. But anyway, uh, that, that was a fun fun time. So I'm driving down Road 2, you know, right after the, the state police there, and there's a Bulldogs junkyard, you know. Mm-hmm. And apparently they had pulled an old sign out of the and put it up, and it was a dollar fifty a gallon for regular gas. <laughs> I said, "Boy, do I remember that!" But yeah. I remember when it was twenty-five cents a gallon. That's right, it, unbelievable. Yeah. I, you know, growing up in the Bronx, yeah. we used to, they used to have gas wars in New Jersey, and we would literally drive over the George Washington <laughs> Bridge and pay a dime toll <laughs> in order to get twenty-three cent ga- gallon gas in yeah. New Jersey. You know, and this was when I was in high school. Yeah, you yeah. Know, of course, dinosaurs were roaming the earth back then. <laughs> well, yeah. my, my daughters always say that's, yeah. how, that's how far. But it really was, you know. Oh, I yeah, I was going to say that it was uh, was it 1968, and I was headed out to uh, to California, and I remember a gas war in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania where my dad had his farm. It was 25 cents a gallon, yeah. and the gas war was 18 cents. Yeah, it would get would go below 20 cents. At oh times. my gosh, I was like, oh, this. So <laughs> I filled up my old. It was a Volvo B B two with the stick shift on it, and, and uh, they just they just rebuilt the the motor on it, so it went all the way out to California and back. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, back to the uh, gardening uh, after that reminiscence. Um, uh, this is a time for just regular maintenance. You know, uh, um, you you still want to keep up with your, your planting once a week or, or so, you know, um, different varieties of lettuces and radishes and all those things that uh, you want to pick for your salad. But um, watering, well, this week we're, we're blessed with rain. And uh, I would like to challenge anybody who says that rain is bad weather. Uh, you know, you hear that sometimes. Oh, we're in for a run of bad weather. It was, that, that would be rain? <laughs> you know, my idea of bad weather is when there's no rain at all. <laughs> so anyway, uh, this week you probably don't have to water. And um, the nice thing about uh, having that perfect soil with the, um, the, the vermiculite and perlite in it is it's going to absorb any extra. So you're not going to get a bunch of puddles, you know, in your garden and uh, and it, it it keeps your plants healthier because they're going to absorb all the excess in there so this week you don't have to water but next week you know don't don't assume that everything's copacetic because you know what you want to get in there and see if the it's still moist down about six inches where where the most of the roots are absorbing water and stuff and weeding, you know, if if you have the permanent beds and the permanent pathways, you're not going to have to weed too much. But I noticed that my garlic um, uh, stand is, uh, as I was checking out the scapes, um, had a couple little viney things growing up around it. So rather than try to pull them off, I just went down to the root and, and snapped the, the stem there. And then those things can die right there on uh, as they're uh, without without disturbing the soil. 
um, anything else. So there was, uh, well, there was a lot of other stuff in there, uh, but not too bad considering. Uh, but the, uh, the onions and your garlic really do not like weeds at all, and so it's important to get in there and take care of them. And just the, the general root weeding, uh, around the garden, um, it's important to get to the weeds before they're so high that they're actually scattering seeds on you. Cause, uh, that is, you know, weeds time a th- times a million or a hundred or a thousand or something. You know, so, so get in there and, and, uh, weed. Um, if you've got the permanent, uh, pathways, mm, don't have to worry too much about weeds. The only place I get weeds, uh, in the permanent pathways is usually right next to the box where there's a, a little bit of dirt that, that shows, uh, uh, between the box and the, and the landscape cloth. But that's still, you know, that's something you can do, but it needs to be taken care of before the seeds. Um, also, it's time to spray. If you haven't sprayed already for the cabbage moth, mm. uh, cabbage caterpillar, it really is time to to get in there and spray all your cold plants, all of your. Um, well, that's pretty much it. The, the, that'll be the most important is the the cabbage, the broccoli, the Brussels sprouts, kales, um, and uh, um, I think that's oh no, collards too. So. Um, so we want to water, we want to weed. And we have a call. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's see what happens here. Okay. Good afternoon, your first name in town. Oh, it's just Nola from Ripton. Hey, Nola. <laughs> and you're on the air. <laughs> and I'm just checking in um, with a little story. And um, how to garden when you've had knee replacement surgery. (laughs) And all the doctors from the hospital in Middleburg are looking above in the trees watching you. (laughs) Go back to bed. But um, just a a little story. So the surgery was done on June 22nd. So we're coming up on week two. Mm -hmm. And I am currently speaking to you standing up with not much pain. Congratulations. I'm happy. I'm grateful. And I don't think I've ever in my life appreciated my garden so much. I just can't <laughs> wait to get out there and do what I love to do. Boy, don't I know the feeling. <laughs> I'm on about seven, week seven from having hip surgery, so. Oh, so we can all go hopping and <laughs> yeah, skipping right. together. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I've been walking around without a cane, so I'm feeling pretty good. Nice. <laughs> and without well, the, never mind without the cane, without the pain. <laughs> that's both, so, well, the nurse called this week. Yes. How are you doing walking yeah. with your crutches? Yeah. We took them back to the hospital. Oh, yeah. How are you doing walking with your walker? Yeah. We took it back to the hospital. Oh. What? <laughs> How are you doing? I'm walking. Yeah. It's good. It feels good, doesn't it? Oh, it's a gift. Yeah. So yes. one of the things last weekend, which was closer to the surgery, we, we had some old wheelbarrows. I'm seeing this for the sake of old wheelbarrows all over the state. I didn't want to take it to the dump and throw it away, but the bottom was full of a lot of holes. And I had a big pile of all-purpose compost in the yard from Foster's. So we filled it up with the (laughs) compost. And then I'd started petunias in the greenhouse. They were just like, get us out of here! Uh, So we filled the wheelbarrow with seven petunias. Oh, nice. This is a black wheelbarrow. And the petunias bloomed on Tuesday. It's incredible, almost neon pink color. Wonderful. And I looked at it, and I said, wonderful. And then my brain went backwards in time. 
1961, and I was just a wee little person. And my mom had the car that her parents gave her when she graduated from high school nine years before. It was a Dodge. Mm. And you guys probably know the names of these better than I do, but it had big wing things in the back. Mm-mm. And the top was pink and the bottom was black. Mm-mm. And I thought, there's my mom's car sitting out in the yard <laughs> um, in the form of petunias and wheelbarrow. <laughs> plants as they talk. It's a garden icon, the, the, the using a wheelbarrow for a planter. And that, of course, in, in the uh, the old toilet. But uh, I like the, the wheelbarrow. I think I, it's a good use of, of a, good right an now. old thing. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Put back to use, recycled into good use, and yep. beautiful, no less. So anyway, I, I there's plenty of work to do, and this rain is a gift, a gift, a gift. Isn't it, though? So I say thank you, and hopefully next time I call, I will be free-spirited and frolicsome. There you so go. happy hips to you. <laughs> thank and you. happy knees to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> happy gardens to everybody. Yeah. Be yeah. Well, Thanks okay? for the call, Nola. It's good to hear, and, and I wish you well. Hope it all goes to real well. Well, I have to learn to be good. <laughs> Take care. Okay. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Yep, our number is uh, 244-1777, uh, That's the 802 number. And uh, we'll be back with more right after these words. Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. The program is In the Garden with Peter Burke, and once again, here's Peter. Hey, Joel. So we uh, we left off before Noel's call uh, with uh, sprays, things that you want to spray for now. It's, it's time to um, uh, check your asparagus, make sure there's no asparagus beetles on them. Um, you'll want to check uh, for aphids on some of your the uh, other softer um Less waxy leaves, uh, like, uh, oh, the Chinese cabbage and the bok choy and the lettuces and to make sure that, uh, those guys are okay. And also just a reminder to set your traps for the Japanese beetles. They're, they'll be coming out in full force now, usually about, uh, um, July 1st is when, when you start to see them in mass. So want to get those out. Uh, the, um, I like uh, about this time of year when the uh, cabbages start to form heads, uh, I'll, I'll usually break off a few bottom leaves, check them out, make sure there's no bugs in them, spray them good, and then I'll, I'll put a, oh, a tablespoon or so of sluggo right around the base to try to keep the, um, the slugs out of the inside of your cabbage. And uh, let's see, what else? What else do we have to watch out for? It's too early for the, um, the dreaded tomato horn. Hornworm there, and then uh, what else have we got? Well, that that's pretty much it for now. And then you just uh, make sure you get around out in the garden and see if there's any other kinds of problems that you have. And um, and then uh, the next on the list of of um, your uh, maintenance 
regulation here is, uh, um, besides weeding, you want to thin those plants. You know, if you've planted a, a little pinch of radish in each of the 16 holes in a square foot, or maybe a little pinch of lettuces, you want to get in there with your scissors, you know, and um, cut out all the extras. Uh, and that, that's, you know, lettuces, radishes, uh, beets, carrots, um, all those things that you, you plant and it's kind of hard to just put one seed in there, both physically and, and uh, mentally. It's hard to, to, you know, <laughs> just put, plop one seed in there and trust that that one is going to grow. But, um, so you want to thin those things out. It's uh, particularly important for things, uh, well, certainly radishes and lettuces and beets and, um, all of those things. Um, you got to watch for your, um, some of the, uh, like your chard, you know, there's each seed is actually a seed cluster. So there's always more than one that come up. So get your scissors out, thin them out and uh, use them in their salad. Okay, we'll start out with pruning after we talk to Tom in Richmond. Tom, are you there? What's going on? Yes, hi. I planted my radishes. I yep. thought I did a great job. I thinned the hell out of them, but yeah. they never bought them. All they did was grow on the top. <laughs> great big leaves on them, but... I know it's it's so disappointing. Uh, I two things. One is uh, plant them earlier. Plant them before you even think. As soon as your soil is ready to go, which is April, um, the we have had especially uh, hot last few weeks. I mean, it's been very hot. And there, as soon as it gets hot like that, they just say, time to set seeds, and they take off, and they give you nothing but a a, a red stem and a, and a miserable little root. Um, what you want to do is, besides plant earlier, make sure you choose, uh, select uh, radishes that say that they'll, that they grow well. Which varieties were you using, Tom? I was using these from Livingston Seed. I don't know what uh-huh. kind of Just a standard red radish, right? Right. Yeah, and so you want to look for, um, uh, try a couple of different things, and it's not too late to plant more. And, and this is, you know, like I said, you want to plant these things every couple of weeks because um, out of the 16 radishes, you know, oftentimes you'll get nine of them that, that are perfect, and the other ones will either bolt or just be scrawny little things. So keep that in mind when you're planting. And then the uh, and then don't plant a 25 foot row because you you wouldn't use that many radishes before they bolt. So you want to plant just a square foot with 16 or two square feet with 32. And then um, the icicle ones, the white ones. I don't know if you you recognize those, but those are um, yeah. those are more tolerant of the heat. And I'll usually use those for my second planting. And then as, as the season goes on, uh, try some of the Chinese radishes, uh, or the Japanese radishes, like the watermelon radish and the, the black radish, and try some of those, uh, and, uh, and they have the, the same nice crispiness, um, that you get from, from a regular old, uh, cherry bell or, or, you know, that's those, what I, I had cherry bell. Yeah, cherry bell. The, and, and that's a, a great radish, but it's, it's a spring and fall radish. You know, you, you, the heat here is what really what killed you today. Um, yeah. 
We watered well, though. Oh, I know, and it has nothing to do with that. It's the heat that, that they um, think of it as sort of in reverse. If you had a frost a day, it would kill your, your tomatoes. Well, you know, today you have this too much heat, and it, it basically, um, you know, sends a signal to the, the plant to, to set seeds. Now, if they're still in there, you could try this, and, and I've, I've, came upon this completely by accident, go ahead and let them grow. And you'll see that they will flower, little white flowers or pink flowers or sometimes a blue flower. But anyway, they'll flower and they'll set, um, you know, uh, um, a, a radish pod. And those radish pods, when they're young, before the seeds form, while the seeds are still green inside, are really delicious. And they taste just like a radish. And oh, no you, yeah, you can put those, uh, cut those up and put them in a stir fry, cook them, uh, which I do with my regular radishes frequently. But, um, and then you can, uh, uh, you can eat them raw too. I mean, they're, they're real good. You gotta pick them when they're, when they're young, when they're forming, maybe, oh, two, two, two and a half inches long. You know, don't, don't let them uh, actually set seeds because they get a little spongy after that. But they're nice and crisp when they're, when they're young. So, um, I, How about the leaves? Are the leaves any good? Uh, radish greens are actually um, a delicacy, and they add a lot of spice to um, to any kind of thing. They're only the only um, drawback to the radish leaves is they can be a little bit uh, spiky. Um, so you wanna you wanna at least uh, wilt them a little bit so that they're you know but you put a little butter and salt yeah, in them yeah. and they're delicious. So you're you know not all is lost for certain. Um, it's sort of like when my um, my lettuces start to bolt, you know, same thing. You get this hot weather and even the romaine will start to bolt. And I found that, that of course, it's really bitter. But and then I use a, a, the endive, which actually is a very bitter um, lettuce. So I use those lettuce leaves in my in my soup, you know, for for just a regular minestrone soup. So, you know, each, yeah. each thing as it goes along, you can find a use for it. And, uh, the radishers are right in there with a, with a, a very, matter of fact, in India, they grow what they call a rat tail radish. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. <laughs> no. And, uh, I tell this story about how excited I was about, uh, you know, when I first started eating the radish pods and I was telling my daughter who spent a lot of time in India, she's an Ayurvedic doctor and she, uh, uh, I said, "Oh my gosh, you would not believe these these radish. Have you ever tried them?" And she said, "Oh yeah, they grow them in India all the time. You know, they get they're you know like six inches long." And, and so I thought I was onto something new, and it's old. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun, not in the garden anyway. So well, okay, I want to thank you very much, Peter. You're welcome, Tom, and I thank you for the call. And you thanks betcha. for listening. Yeah, take you care. Bet. Yeah. Appreciate your show. Yeah, great. Thanks. <laughs> it's good to hear. Uh, well, Joel, how are we doing? Um, so I was at uh, thinning to get in there and thin those radishes and all the rest. So you want to, and I, I recommend using um, uh, a pair of scissors. And what I have in, always in my pocket is a little Swiss Army knife. Uh, and it's the very little, little smallest one. It has a, a, a small scissors and it's got one little knife blade and, uh, and then a, 
one that's like an emery board with a with a screwdriver at the end of it and it's uh that's it that's all there is it's the smallest one available and um so what i do is i just sit down next to the thing and i take my little scissors and i'll i'll cut the extra radishes and the extra um swiss chard and the extra carrots out and thin them out and it's kind of hard to do because you you think well you know two of them could grow side by side but uh in the long run it's it's worth it. Uh, you know, where it gets a little harder is when you have 256 uh, plantings of carrots and you, you're going to sit there and go through all 256 of them. Well, um, it's a good thing. Take a break and go in and listen to a show and then come back out. <laughs> uh, but thinning is important. Don't overlook it and, and, you know, because it's human nature to go ahead and plant more than one seed in a, uh, in a cell. So, you know, Get back in there. And pruning is the same thing. Uh, of course, you, I think maybe a lot of you heard me talk about uh, pruning your um, uh, tomatoes. And, and that is, that's important um, for all kinds of reasons, uh, both to, to get your tomatoes to ripen up quicker and to keep the air flowing around the plants, uh, to keep the plant uh, um, healthy and uh, in other ways in that it's you're not supporting a bunch of side shoots which probably won't ever bear fruit. So get in there and prune. Uh, you've got the tomatoes. I like to go around and make sure that on all of my um, coal plants I'm, I'm breaking back and harvesting those bottom leaves uh, because you'll notice that um, say like on a collard plant or a kale plant, uh, the bottom leaves, if you leave them, they won't actually get any bigger or riper. They'll just start to turn yellow. So you don't really want to waste that. So just start at the bottom and just, and whether they're big leaves or little leaves, just go ahead and, and break them off all the way around. The plant will be stronger. Again, you'll have more airflow. Uh, you'll be the most important tool in the garden is you. So you can inspect your, inspect your plants as you're, as you're going around and breaking off all those bottom leaves. And even the, the, um, the collard greens, I like to go in and go ahead and break Break off all those smaller ones that are down, and I go ahead and do my cabbage like I just mentioned a few minutes ago. I'll break off the bottom leaves on the cabbage and make sure that they're not sitting on the ground. And uh, so that that's a it's a, the pruning is real important, not just for tomatoes, but for all your plants. Go in and, and check them out. Okay, you got a call there? I believe it's uh, Forbes. Hey, Forbes, lovely <laughs> East Corinth. Hi, Joel. Hello. <laughs> hey, jo- how you doing? Good, good. <laughs> how, about, how are you? Uh, not bad in the monsoons, but uh, welcome. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. So just one week that you won't have to water as much, huh? Right. No, I actually have a rain gauge, and I watch that pretty carefully. Yeah. So what do you think we got now? Did we get an inch of rain this week? Yeah, I inch and a quarter actually in the last storm, but it's in addition to that. Now it's even more. Yeah, yeah. I empty it and then try to do it each day, so I get a pretty good idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, seed for thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember struggling with th- uh, fine seeds like uh, beets or mm-hmm. radishes or anything else, and an old timer said to me, "Hey, that's foolish." So he gave he gave me a coffee can. Yeah. With sand in it. Yeah. 
And I put the seeds into it and mixed it into the sand, then uh, right down the rows, and oh, bottom of my uh, thinning. <laughs> Worked beautiful. <laughs> he said, yeah, I've been there before. That's not a lot of fun. That's so a great idea. I like that. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Just sprinkle it right out. Yeah, and it sort of just automatically is is planting yeah. f- fewer seeds. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's uh that's great. That's great because you know um, the whole idea of the grid planting is just just planting, you know, a seed uh, you, as close as it needs to be. You know, like carrots every three inches. Well, you read the package and it says plant every half inch. Right. And, yeah. you know, why would you do that when you know you're going to have to take everything out in between those three inches? Right. <laughs> well, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. No, no. <laughs> this is some of the old timers. Uh, you know, they've been there, done that. Yes, right. Well, as I said, nothing new under the sun. <laughs> and if, <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. And my mother yeah. used to say, Peter, <clears throat> if you don't learn, life will teach you. <laughs> Uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, I've been schooled quite a bit in my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've all fallen down before. Yep, yep, <laughs> that's for well, that's sure. that's great. Great program, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good information. Okay. That's pretty important. Well, good. Um, I'm glad, and boy, I sure appreciate your two cents. That yeah, means a lot yeah, to me. Well, we're a growing structure. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> and local is so important. Yep. You know, when I see where tomatoes and things like that are, are picked uh, down south, you can't mm-hmm. ship a ripe tomato. No, you so can't, they're, yeah. They're picked green. Well, and then, I, uh, halfway up, they gas them. Absolutely. And that's, uh, that's an, it's an interesting that you brought it up because it's a theme I use a lot with the, with my indoor gardening, you know, with uh, the sunflower uh, sprouts, you know, the soil sprouts and the, mm-hmm. and the peas. And I said, well, just think of this. This is the most fresh thing that will be on your table almost ever. There's nothing uh, short of going out and, you know, eating it out of the garden still rooted, you know. Uh, this is from table, from, from plant, you know, from plant to table to in your salad is, is minutes, you know. And as, as much as I really appreciate and, and, and in, in all of the farmers markets and all the rest, there still is nothing that is fresh as that cut and, and eat. And so, um, you've got a good point because they, they look beautiful, but they've been shipped a long way and usually they're gassed to, to, to make them look right. And I, I wondered about that with the blueberries. The other day we had a, we got a, a pint of blueberries in the store and every single one of them was ripe. I mean, they were all dark blue. And right. I, I, I never seemed to be able to pick my berries that dark. Well, uh, a lot of the commercial places, no matter what kind of uh, vegetable or fruit, mm-hmm. they push them all hard with nitrogen. Oh. And that's to get them to the market quick and, uh, and blow them up. But they miss all of the ingredients that they take out of the ground because it's all artificially uh, fed. So when you say... irrigation and things like that. But oh. the ground's basically dead. It just supports the plant upward. Yeah. But everything else is fed to them chemically. Oh, I see. So when you say pushing growers. with nitrogen, you're talking about nitrogen yeah. chemical fertilizer. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, you, I mean, you can taste it. Yeah. It's yeah. It'll be a large, mushy, and, uh, you know, not, not any real taste because it didn't take anything out of the ground. Mm, yeah. All Boy. the natural minerals. Yeah. Fla- the flavor that you would of get from local growing, local. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, Forbes, this year I actually uh, was actually last last November I did a soil test and I was surprised uh, that my soil was um, was uh, depleted in in important elements like uh, sulfur. You know, I was really yep. down on the sulfur and and uh, potassium. I was surprised by that, and my nitrogen levels were way down. And so you can't really you can't really rely on just compost. You you really have to get in there and make sure you put some other some some nitrogen rich stuff. So what do you use for your for your? Well, um, you know, basically I'll I'll use. Uh um, in, in fertilizer or anything else, I use uh, holytone or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know one of the uh, natural mm-hmm. uh, things for like in blueberries. Yeah, yeah. Apples are every plant is different. The, the pH yeah. and the soil content is entirely different with every plant. Yeah. So you really have to monitor that in order to be able to grow good things. Yeah. How do you blueberries monitor? Blueberries love an acidic base. Yeah. You know they like uh, 5.3 to. Uh, you know, five seven. Uh-huh. But an apple tree or a fruit tree or you know, vegetables or anything else <laughs> couldn't survive in that. No. Yeah. It yeah. wouldn't do it. And the and the uh, uh, the catalyst or the minerals in the ground can be there, but they can be locked up too. Yeah. So that's why soil samples so important to see whether you have to add some lime maybe as mm-hmm. a, as a uh, diffuser. Yeah. Yeah, I can have. I mean, I've done that before, where I took soil samples and uh, then I took leaf leaf samples. Uh huh. And then I said, "Gee, it doesn't show it in the leaf. It looks deficient. Yet in the soil, it was perfect." Oh yeah. So somehow it was was never being released to the plant because they were were locked up like a catalyst structure. So I added lime, which uh, I use Cornell a lot for research, but. Yeah. It, uh, the lime went in and then uh, changed the pH, and immediately the minerals were released to the plant. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's yeah, a I, whole different world. Yeah, yeah. I I, I had been sort of just to add more uh, comp, uh, compost uh, uh, thesis, you know, and uh, just a little bit of fertilizer, but I realize it's uh, you, you kind of balance all of the ingredients, not just part of it. So, uh, yeah, there's a, we have a place over here that uh, fellows researched for years and years. He's real good at it, mm-hmm. and that's uh, North Country Organics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, they sell through various farm um, supply places and garden shops their products, but it's all organic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've dealt with him for years, a fellow by the name of Paul Sachs uh-huh. that owns it, but it's called North Country Organics. Sure, that's the ProGrow people, right? Well, um, uh, Pro Holly or, uh, yeah, ProStart, ProGrow. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he has all the trace minerals, everything from... Uh, mm-hmm. Kelp, oh yeah, um, all the way down. It covers the whole thing. But mm. I think most, a lot of your, a lot of your places are, are carrying his product now. He's been in business a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one that I recommend is the is the Progro uh, from them their their blue bag the the sort of general one. Um, yeah. they have the red bag which is a high nitrogen and uh, uh, Pro Booster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, it's, uh, I've used his products for, for years, and then in his formative days, where he was coming out with new products, 
I kind of experimented uh, with him as far as how much to apply and things like that. So uh, I grew with him actually, but mm-hmm. he's done a beautiful job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's uh, something that you can rely on and and be assured that there's not a lot of chemical fertilizers in it, but right. and still make available the the NPK that you need, but also the all the other things. So. So you do uh, soil tests through Cornell then? Yes, and leaf. And where? And leaf sample. Oh, oh okay, yeah. Cornell, so, I mean, both, I might have both a soil. And... With a perfect content in my soil, but then the plant isn't getting it. Why? Gotcha. And so they'll give you, a, they'll map out exactly what you have to add mm-hmm. to bring things back into the balance. So you can be fooled by a soil sample. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Can yeah. show you all the trace elements that you're going to need to grow whatever it might be. Yeah, in the soil. But mm-hmm. the plant never gets it. Mm. Yeah, they're talking about, uh, you know, chelated uh, elements and making it available. And uh, I was reading the one book and... And uh, it's a it's a little hard to keep up with because I'm certainly not an agronomist, but um, it definitely opened my eyes to the need for the soil test and then uh, someone to let you know what it actually means. Right, it, it's it's pretty important. Yeah, and you can't see it. It's something you can't look at. <laughs> other than a plant that's not doing well. It's the beauty of bugs, right? You can see them. There they are. Yeah, <laughs> I know what the problem is. Right. <laughs> You know, your comments on the tomato plants, uh, or any plant, basically, that uh, uh, strip out any any of the unnecessary mm-hmm. uh, yep. uh, parts of the plant that yep. aren't growing whatever you're doing, in other yep. words, the food. Yeah. And you got to have enough left so that you, <laughs> you have photosynthesis, <laughs> but yeah. uh, the rest of the things just sap all that energy out of where it should be going. Yep. Yeah, it's worked well for me. I, I, I'm, was, uh, been real happy when I started to learn that. And, and they, they look like they're sort of stripped, but they sure grow better tomatoes. Right. And grass competition, that's a toughie too, because that, that'll absorb, I have to add 30% more fertilizer, um, to whatever I'm planting. Oh. The grass will absorb all. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Forbes, it's been a pleasure talking. Okay. I have another call come in, so I should yep. uh, sure. share. Thanks so much for the call and, uh, and right. the information well, with the, the coffee the can. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, take care. Bye now. Bye. Now, you say we have another caller? Uh, Pete and Barry, hey, how are you? I'm pretty well. How are you? Oh, good. Uh, I have a quick question. I was reading in the Times Argus today. Uh, Holmeyer's yep. gardening. Yeah, yeah. And he was saying it, that now is the time to prune. Now I've always thought that dormant time is the time to prune. Well, you're right, and he's right. You know. Um, okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's get more specific. What are you pruning? Are you talking about apples or? Uh, well, uh, I'm talking about. Uh, uh, 
Arborvitae. Ah, ah. I'm talking about, uh, uh, I've got some, uh, boy. Yeah. Well, with the Arborvitae or any of those bush plants, uh, they're hardy enough that you can, when they get to a height that you don't want, you can just keep pruning them. I mean, that's, they're, they're very malleable and, and, uh, as long as you're, you know, feeding them and watering them and they're taking, you're taking care of them down below, the tops Mm -hmm. will just keep regenerating and that's fine. It's a good time to prune. Um, with an apple tree or a fruit tree, anytime you have sucker wood is a good time to prune that. And you want to get that, those out of those, um, pruning for say like a lilac bush. Um, I think we talked about that last week is go ahead and cut the heads off more or less. You, you, you deadhead them basically just like you do your, your, um, lilies or any of your other flowers. Is that the same for Japanese lilac? I, I'm not sure, but there's, I can't see any reason not to. The, it basically does the same. Um, I know it's true for the French. You know, the standard in the French, but uh, yeah. um, uh, I I don't know. I, I haven't I haven't grown the the Japanese one, mm-hmm. but it should be the same. And now, when you said uh, uh, on apple, yeah. is that what they also call water spouts? Yeah, like exactly that? the same thing. Oh. Yeah, they just they just uh, take strength out of the the tree, and they never produce any fruit. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, all a different different question. Mm-hmm. My, my garlic seems to be uh, pretty much finishing up for this year. Yes, it yeah. seems early to me. Uh, it's not too early given the the heat. What you want to do though is actually pull one. Go ahead and pull one. And if it, if the sections have divided up, then you're, you're fine. You can, you can pull it and tie it. But it, at one stage, you can't see any difference between the sections and it looks like all one great big garlic. Then it's too soon. More like an onion than a garlic. It looks like an onion, yeah. If you, if the, and that's, for me, has always worked. Um, you can, you can also tell by the scapes, of course, have formed. And yeah. if, if you're growing, uh, hard necks, if you're growing soft necks, what you'll notice is that the leaves start to tum- fall over and, and turn brown at the yeah. tips. The, the tips, the tips, that's, that's why I was asking <laughs> the question because the tips are starting to the tips turn. will tip you off, no question okay. about it. Right. <laughs> They're the starting to turn. Anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. So pull one and take a look at it, and that's a sure bet right there. Okay. And and then use it in your uh, stir fry tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we. Uh, my my wife does that sort of thing, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's perfect. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for the uh, you, for you, the answers. You're welcome, Pete. Yeah. Bye bye. Thanks. And we have John in Waterbury. All right. Hey, John, what's up? Well, I've got a bumper crop. Unfortunately, it's groundhogs. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you have my deepest sympathy, oh, buddy. <laughs> uh, I have tried a bunch of things, mm, and so mm. far, trying to convince them to uh, check the neighbor's uh, gardens hasn't worked either. Mm-mm. I've, uh, you know, used the uh, ammonia-soaked rags in the hole oh, and boy. buried up the hole afterwards. And a couple of days later, 
they come out and say, can we have some more ammonia to clean our fur? Uh, <laughs> well, really let me, let me tell you, I'll, I'll relate a story that the, uh, the fellow who runs the agency of, uh, natural resources was talking about the bears and them coming down and grabbing people's, uh, uh, bird feeders. And he, he said, okay, this is the way to look at it. Imagine if you clipped $100 bills to a bush in your yard. What do you think would happen? You know, so what, <laughs> what you have there is you have a thousand dollar bill for the bear. And when he sees him, he's going to come. No question about it. And he'll probably come back to see if there's any more. So what you have is you have a garden full of, you know, uh, $100 bills, and so they're going to keep coming. You're only real, uh, and I hate to say it, but you're going to have to uh, thin the herd. You're going to have to, and I don't know how you want to do that. You can... Yeah, I'm a, I'm a groundhog pacifist <laughs> when, it, when it comes to that, so that you're, level you're, of lethal attraction. I, I understand that completely, and you and Joel would be uh, uh, in league there. And that's he would. <laughs> he's shaking his head right now. Yes. Uh, so the uh, the then you have to build the fortress. You have to put in uh, a serious. Uh, a fence of some sort. Now you can try just one electric wire, put a little peanut butter on it, and, and once they get that first shock, and make sure you do it right in the beginning, get that first shock, a lot of times they won't return. Uh, Joel swears by the kitty litter, and so if you have, uh, if you have a cat or a friend that has a cat, uh, grab the kitty litter. And explain why you're grabbing the kid a litter. <laughs> but, uh, that's a lot like the ammonia, you know, it's, it's, uh, and then you can try the, the wolf scent and all of those other things. Um, but, uh, uh, it's, you know, you may yeah. have to do a combination of things. Well, there's, there's a fence all around the, the, the garden, but yeah. they burrow under it. They burrow and, under, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to yeah, have to give yeah. them a shock someplace. Put that first line down about three about three inches up from the ground and, uh, and uh, you know, put a little something on it to entice them to try it. And, yeah, I've and, even put five-gallon buckets, uh, bottoms cut out, yeah. and put them over the, the the seedlings as they're coming up. And they're just coming in and kind of knocking them over and doing whatever. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. they're they're voracious and they're they're crafty and it's very hard. I I was lucky we had one uh, t- two years ago and my son uh, was a dead eye and he managed to to get it uh-huh. right away and I suspected that there would be more after that but we looked out there was only the one. Yeah, well, I appreciate your uh, comment. Okay, and, uh, John. <laughs> hey, call back and let me know how it goes, will you? <laughs> I will. Take okay. Care. All right, buddy. Bye. And uh, we have Nancy in Morrisville. Nancy, what's going on? Hello. Thank you for taking the call. I have a question about pruning tomatoes, and I apologize if you've already covered it. I was actually in my garden in the rain shower. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there. They're already outgrowing their cages. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The it's it's interesting that um, that they're called tomato cages because they should be called bush tomato cages because um, <laughs> they're only good for bush tomatoes. They aren't really well made for uh, f- for the vine tomato. The you know uh, uh, you know so there's more than one variety. 
it's just like trying to grow, uh, you know, uh, uh, green beans. Uh, you couldn't put a pole bean in that on those either. So, um, <laughs> what what you need to do is get a six foot stake, you know, and at least, and just put it down inside there. Don't bother to move it if you've already had the plant there. And start to train it up that uh, six foot stake, and you can get those right at um, you know uh, guys or oh, yeah. way. And, and uh, yeah, I have, and they yeah, they will it. last uh, for quite a few years, particularly if you pull them up and put them in the in the woodshed and just let them dry out over the over the winter. They'll last a, a number of years. They're they're hardwood, and I'm not sure what hardwood they are, but they're they're very effective. You can get the the green. You know, coated uh, ones, but uh, and I've used those for years, and and they're okay too. Um, they do, they, you know, they do f- eventually sort of break up and and they become you know real trash. Whereas the the stakes are wooden and they're a lot easier to recycle over over the long range. But you know, sure. either one yeah. somehow or another, you you got to get at least six feet. So. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. just a fact of life with a um, indeterminate uh, tomato, a vining tomato rather than a bush tomato. So next year, think about if if you like that and select bush tomatoes, and then you can use your cages on those. Um, like the uh, the Jetstar, the one that uh, Ed Smith always liked, and um, that's a bush tomato. Um, depending on where you, where you're getting tomatoes, they're usually pretty well marked which ones are bushed. Or, and if they're not well marked, make sure you ask them at the nursery. Tell them, I'm using these cages. I want one that grows three feet tall so I can just use my cages. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and got... there's advantages to, to both varieties. You know, I like uh, the bush tomatoes for a variety I want to use to um, – uh, to use all at once because, you know, you can usually the bush tomato will, will set its tomatoes and ripen up uh, pretty much around the same time. At least, a, a, you know, a whole bunch of them will ripen up so you can pick all those and then the next bunch will ripen up and pick all those. Whereas the vining or the indeterminate, you know, they'll set fruit uh, over a longer range of time. Uh, like your cherry tomatoes. So that's uh, the indeterminate for your cherry makes a lot of sense because, you know, you want to just uh, add those to your salads as you go along. You're not really trying to, to um, uh, harvest them for a, a crop, so to speak. Although we, we have, and Joel and I both have dried cherry tomatoes and they're, they're wonderful, oh, but oh. I've sort of moved over to, yeah, they're delicious. They're like candy, really. And um, I was yeah. tell, tell the story when I first dried those cherry tomatoes. A friend of mine came up from Rhode Island, and uh, I gave him, uh, you know, a, a Ziploc bag of them, thinking he would take them home with him. But over the course of the day, he kept eating them and eating them. And before I knew it, I was refilling the bag. And I sort of, you know, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, you remember the little boy that was eating so much stuff, he sort of blew up and, and floated off. And I thought at any point, Tony was just going to blow up and float off because he, he was eating those cherry tomato, dried cherry tomatoes and, and drinking soda water. And I thought, oh boy, he's going to blow up at one point. Yeah. <laughs> but they are like yeah. candy. Yeah. You, you take those, uh, the cherry tomatoes. Oh. Yeah, they're good. They're great. 
What's the procedure for drying them? Cut them in half and... That's uh, what I do, yeah. You, yeah, you want to make sure you break the skin because it's a little little too waxy. And I do the same thing with my... Uh, I, I use... I, I usually do the small Nova uh, uh, Roma tomatoes, and because they're only oh about two or three inches long, and they're delicious in a salad. And then uh, you just cut them, and you have like a sun-dried tomato, like a you know a nice, oh, rich, yeah, deep I, flavor. I do have cherries. I think they're well. I have San Marzanos. I have mm-hmm. Early Girls and mm-hmm. Big Boys. Yep. Yeah. Uh, cherries, super sweet, one hundreds is what I have. Oh yeah, 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 uh, great. Yeah, if you if you dry them, then you you'll you'll definitely have those sweet candy like uh, tomatoes. Ooh. Yeah, they're very good. And the San Marzanos also will dry fairly well. Well, um, the San Marzano and and I enjoy growing them because they're so huge. I mean, they're a good three four inches long, and and they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. My problem is, particularly in central Vermont, is I just don't have a long enough season to to get. I'll I'll have two or three clumps along the bottom, and then the rest of them are are still green by the time I get the first frost. So I've gone to the smaller Romas. Uh, um, uh, High Mowing has a really, really nice small Roma tomato, which has all the flavor of the San Mozanos, and um, and they actually ripen at our season. So uh, I I I always I don't know I just I go for for that and unless you have a greenhouse and then you can you know you get that yeah. extra extra three weeks yeah. that you need to ripen them up. And I do have a catalog from High Mowing. So oh, yeah. I, yeah. Will I think it's called Nova. That. I think that's the variety that that I planted last year that was just uh, spectacular. And they grew, oh, six, a good eight feet tall, and they were putting out. Uh, oh, tomatoes. my gosh. Yeah, yeah. They, they were just absolutely terrific. I loved them. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, Nancy. All good advice. Thank you very Thank much you for very the call. Much. I appreciate it. And thanks for Enjoy listening. Yeah, okay. 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 Catch you later. Yep. Thank you very much for oh. your call. And here's Peter Burke, and guess who? <laughs> well, <Dark> blue, okay. <laughs> and my hands are gnarly and hard from all my gardening. So that's my uh, second cousin twice removed. Anyway, yes. um, Robert Frost also experienced uh, joys and pleasures of having groundhogs in his life. Oh, okay, great. And he great. wrote an amazing poem, Through the Eyes of the Groundhog. So I'm sharing this with yes. you and yes. the man that called yes. with hopes that it will bring him hope. I think it was Pete and Barry that called. Ahead there. Okay, Pete. So <laughs> if anything, it'll bring him a smile. It's called A Drumlin Woodchuck. One thing has a shelving bank, another a rotting plank, to give it cozier skies and make up for its lack of size. My own strategic retreat is where two rocks almost meet and still more secure and snug, a two-door burrow I dug. With those in mind at my back, I can sit forth exposed to attack as one who shrewdly pretends that he and the world are friends. All we who prefer to live have a little whistle we give and flash at the least alarm. We dive down under the farm. We allow some time for guile and don't come out for a while. Either to eat or drink, we take occasion to think. And if after the hunt goes past and the double-barreled blast, like war and pestilence and the loss of common sense, 
if I can with confidence say that still for another day or even another year, I will be there for you, my dear, I, it will be because, though small, as measured against the awe, I have been so instinctively thorough about my crevasse and burrow. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, <laughs> wonderful. My goodness. It's a great poem. It and is. And all uh, I can say about groundhogs is dogs make a big difference. If yes. You've got a puppy dog around, yeah. the groundhog smell that dog, and they think, nah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree, and I forgot to mention that. But, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that, anyway, there's your frost for the weekend. Thank you, Nola. Have fun. Yeah, Bye-bye. have a good fourth. Yeah. Well, uh, I, um, well, I, do we have another, we have one more call. Let's, oh, yeah, uh, let's, let's sneak in. It. Okay, great. Sneak Thank in another you. call. We're gonna just push the button and say your first name in town, please. My name is Glenn from Brookfield. Hey, Glenn. How are you? I'm good. How about yourself? Good. Thank you. Happy four. Yeah, same to you. You have a question, Glenn? Yeah, I was just gonna comment on woodchucks. Oh, good, good. Well, we got a woodchuck poem. What do you, what do you got for, for a woodchuck? Alright, this is what I do, cause I live, uh, you know, I've got a, a big lawn, a field, and there's woodchucks mm. everywhere. Woodchuck so alley, a, huh? <laughs> it is. So I have a, uh, solar fencer. Okay. That I put up around my garden, and I run the wire about Oh, maybe four inches off the ground mm-hmm. and six inches off the ground. First year I lived here, the woodchucks destroyed it. I haven't had one since, and it keeps my dog out. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so I like that. Great. I mean, so this really is a, a a solar setup. So the 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 yeah, solar a, powers a battery, and the battery powers a wire. Yeah, it's just a solar fencer charges. You know. Mm-hmm. And you run the wires around, and I think initially it probably cost me 110 bucks, oh, and the battery lasted five years. Bought another battery, and that was like 20 bucks. Oh, that's reasonable. That's definitely reasonable oh, for yeah. a fence, yeah. I yeah. use those little white fence posts and the oh. plastic yellow uh-huh. fencer things, and it yeah. works fantastic. But it, I just throwing that out there for people. Uh, excellent. I want to kill a woodchuck. I, I like it. I, I was mentioning that uh, about adding a, a you know a wire, but I didn't have any good information. So I really appreciate that, Glenn. Okay, no problem. Love your show and happy Fourth of July to all <laughs> yeah. you folks. Happy Fourth to you. Be safe. Have a good time. Okay, bye-bye. I don't, I don't know if we're going to see any fireworks this year because uh, the uh, – <laughs> but I don't know. I've watched a lot of fireworks that right were right up there with the thunder and lightning. So, <laughs> Well, I know, uh, well, of course, Burlington, uh, and I live in, you know, Colchester nearby. <laughs> so yeah. uh, they're going to have a super-duper kazooper night of fireworks on uh, – <laughs> And uh, usually, usually, well, my previous dog was scared to death of any <laughs> yeah. loud noise, even woodpeckers yeah. pecking on trees. Oh, so. boy. But my current dog doesn't pay much attention. But anybody, if anybody's interested in fireworks, they're promising this this year's uh, Burlington down by the waterfront mm-hmm. going to be a spectacular. A, yep. co- a COVID, uh, post-COVID celebration. That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> I can't blame <laughs> Well, on that note, happy fourth day, all of you, all of you gardeners out there. And much appreciate that you, you call in and that you listen and uh, make sure to tell our sponsors that you enjoy the show. 
And uh, we'll pick up with where I left off was uh, feeding on my maintenance list. So we need to feed our little buddies. Sounds like a plan. Thank you. Thanks for joining us in the garden. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain.